I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Mutant Mages, a show sort of. where we review every adaptation of the X-Men, including the video games? What? <laughs> Back when we were young, we experienced a change. Let's let's backtrack a little bit here and explain what's happening. So okay. today we're taking a break from our usual reviewing of an episode of X-Men, the animated series or a movie or whatever we choose to watch. Um, it's Thanksgiving week, and this is actually something we wanted to do a while ago, and we just haven't had a chance to do. I like how you're saying that, and it's going to come out after Thanksgiving oh, week. Okay, well, we are recording. We're recording it. Just we're so recording now, knows. so... <laughs> It gets a little difficult for us to record around the holidays. So, like, always December, November is kind of like a tricky time for us. But mm-hmm. so, Whatever. so we are doing this, and then we're going to return on our next episode to the next episode of X Men, the animated series. But basically, what this is is that on our YouTube channel, Maddie and I release all sorts of mutant ages content, which you can go over there on YouTube. It's at themutantages.com or not.com. It's on themutantages on YouTube, <laughs> not.com. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I'm nailing it. Yeah. And uh, we do all sorts of things there. Like we are playing through all the X-Men video games as a let's play there. And you can also see some X-Men parodies we've done. We can, we've post up these throwback theaters, which is Maddie and I rereading our old content. That old is fan fictions and stuff like that. Or too. movies that we made that are all influenced by the X-Men in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we release something completely original, but it's mostly X-Men content. We also put videos up there that are, like the animated series to our voices so yeah you know like so i mean the youtube channel is pretty cool is what we're saying but the most relevant part of it for now is that we've been doing a series of let's plays where we're playing a quake conversion game called ravages of the apocalypse and this game is really hard it's really not intuitive to play we've certainly told some jokes about it and over the course of telling those jokes on twitter and in our youtube videos one of the people who helped make the game contacted us and wanted to talk to us about what it was like so we sent him some questions and he sent us some answers and he was very nice he was like, very nice really and really really nice also openly admitted that the game like was challenging to make and and had its own story so we're gonna tell that story now right and he basically sent us this very long email which maddie and i were like do we want to read this in the reader mail section i was like this is really long so i think we'll just release like a short episode like around the holidays and like it totally worked out in her favor because that's exactly what ended up happening so yeah um, i i suggest maddie that you and i take turns like per paragraph reading this because otherwise one of us is going to be reading like sure. for an absurdly long time or like not per paragraph like maybe every couple paragraphs but yeah I, we, we can do the opening here and so first of all we sent them some questions and he answered us with short answers yeah we asked what job did you have working on the game and how long did you work on the project and he said 
level design the project took two to three months um we asked how did you get the job and was it fun and he said he explained that later in his longer answer yeah, further down yeah and then after that he i asked him uh how him and his coworkers got the rights to make an x-men game and how the game was funded because the wikipedia game uh page for the game describes it as freeware and he clarified that it actually wasn't freeware people paid for the game and that the game yep. was funded at least partially by marvel and he elaborates on that more in a little essay that he also sent us <laughs> and i asked why the main character was an original character and he said he wasn't privy to the overall game design decision making process so doesn't have a good answer for that one and didn't know the answer to why certain X-Men were included in the game and certain weren't. Maybe we should take a break here and explain what the game is for people who haven't necessarily <laughs> been watching the Let's Play. No, just we're not going to tell them not, anything at all. We're not just believe us that the X-Men are there. For what the fuck this game is. So it's a Quake conversion game. It's it's in the Quake engine. You play it by booting up Quake and like selecting like the original X-Men Quake game. game. Yeah, not yeah. just any Quake. It's like the original and, like, Quake the game. like the graphics, the sound effects from Quake are in there. I didn't even realize that at first but it, they're all like sound effects repurposed from quake um among other things i think they maybe added some of their own i don't know but anyway so it's a quake game it looks like quake you're playing as some sort of cyborg fictional character who's like not one of the x-men and is just in this one game and you're working for magneto not that that's revealed early on, but like over no. the course of the game, we sort of slowly, I think actually we looked it up before we even figured it out, but eventually you start getting like notes from Magneto being like, keep it up soldier or whatever the fuck he says. And like you're yeah. collecting stuff, you're running around, you're using gateway, like the, the Marvel character gateway to transport yourself from level to level. And the levels are like you start out in the X mansion and then teleport yourself into like all these weird places like Apocalypse's tomb. There's like all these different sort of Egyptian looking pyramid type places that you go to that where there's like puzzles you have to solve, but they're not intuitive. And also you're basically just running around in a maze shooting at the X-Men. You're shooting at yeah. clones of the X-Men. That's and who it's you're very, it's against. a really strange concept. Yeah, because, like, you're killing the X-Men over and over and over again. You're not playing as the X-Men, and you're just shooting all of these characters who you love, but they're bad guys because they're clones who were created by Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister. So right. that's what that is. Anyway. It's, it's, it's certainly something. So that was what led me to ask this question about whether anybody on the team realized how disturbing the game's plot is because the X-Men are clones, but it feels like you're killing the X-Men. And he wrote, I don't recall questioning it at the time, mostly because I wasn't hugely familiar with the X-Men at the time. And frankly, I was just excited to be working on a real video game. And he capitalizes R <laughs> and V there. So he's clearly telling a little joke about himself. Do you want to read the next question? Yeah, sure. And uh, this is where the essay starts. So he wrote... What's with the we well we asked what's with the huge discrepancies between how long some levels are as compared to others and did different teams work on designing le different levels and this is where he just kind of wrote in general about the game so mm -hmm. um, I mean take this off um, teams each level is made pretty much entirely by a different person and we were given a pretty high degree of creative freedom I'll talk more about this below too I think this is going to be more coherent if I tell if I tell it as a complete story rather than trying to answer these questions independently. As you know, this was 22 years ago, so all the caveats about unreliable human memory apply. And after reacquainting myself with this part of my past, I realized that my knowledge of what led to this game's release doesn't include much about actual X-Men property, which is probably largely what you're interested in, but I'll tell you what I remember. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. 
fine. It's honestly fine. Like and I he don't... did write a bunch of interesting stuff that did kind of verify a lot of what we were thinking. Yeah. So he wrote, in order to understand how X-Men the Ravages Apocalypse came to be, you need to understand the explosive growth of the Quake modding community in the late 90s, which I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, Me Maddie. Me too. And also like the Half-Life and Counter-Strike, you know, and Doom. Every, all I that remember stuff. all that. There were a lot yeah. of modding communities in the 90s That was like a big thing back then. Just people modding shooters and making them into completely different games. Great times. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, I'm no historian, so I'm not going to try and explain it all. I'm sure others have done a better job of that than I ever could. But suffice it to say that a vast number of people whose interests in gaming and creativity overlapped in a certain way found that Quake was the perfect outlet for their muse. And the feedback loop from, I have a cool game idea, to being able to run around inside your creation had suddenly become tighter than ever. Which is actually really interesting when you think about it, because there really hadn't been, like, accessible, like, video game programming right applications especially in the mid 90s yeah and also like the rise of everybody having a personal computer in their home i mean that's been written about a ton of times just like what a game changer that was pardon the pun oh it really was and i i think at this point i can't remember if i had a pc yet but you know i i started with the macintosh because those were kind of like the first user-friendly right interface so i had one of those and I think the I had old a PC Mac games. by the late 90s. We had a family right. computer that was a PC that could run some things. Yeah, and eventually at some point, PCs, I think Gateway was a big thing that yep. like really That's took off around had. that time. Yeah, and I remember people being like, oh, you want to play like video games on your computer? You can do that with a PC. And yeah. so I didn't have that. And I think Mac, you know, eventually Macs were able to do it too. But at that time, all I had was a Mac. So I kind of like would go over to a friend's house and watch them play these games. So I saw people play like Quake and Doom and all that. Not, it's like just when I was over at somebody's house. Yeah. So for the Macintosh, and this is just a fun story, I would be like, I want to play games play on the Macintosh. And then really the only space you could do that was like going on AOL yep. and going to like their... <laughs> gaming section which i think was called like ant farm or something at the time and like you could download games that people had created and this was during the freeware shareware time and the only at that time that i was using a macintosh the only like game designing things you had were like a script based game which you could do that and you could download a bunch of those too because it was like well what else are you going to do and then there was like this other sort of I, I even i forgot what i don't even remember what the fuck it's called so you're just gonna have to maybe somebody could write in and be like oh i remember that but there were a lot of games made for the macintosh that people could make and i made them too where it was like done by like cards like not like playing cards but like oh, you would like be like i know what you're talking about yeah so there'd be like text on the right and then like an image you can make on the left and then you could like add buttons underneath like and decide what you were gonna do but that was like a whole thing back then and like i created this and that was like the closest we ever got so once when the pc world started having video games and we start modding like it really took off so that's that's what he's talking about and i'm really saying that for probably more of our younger listeners because like I, you know, like the world of independent gaming right now is so wildly different because like pretty much anybody has access to making a video game and there are people dumping games all the way all over the place online. I mean, think about all the Let's players that play them. So yeah, like this, this is this is why this game in particular was such a big deal and why modding it was a big deal. So yeah, sorry. I just had definitely. to, I just had to explain. I was just like, I was like, let's do a little history. All of this is a little history. Anyway, I'll pick up the next okay. couple paragraphs. 
So Go for he it. continues. I've never been a talented gamer. I played many hundreds of hours of death matches and was rarely able to hold my own and felt frustrated more often than not. I felt far more excitement about quake level design and I spent a lot of time doing that instead and was still frustrated by my general inability to create levels that truly matched my visions. However, I found a community of creators who I enjoyed spending time with and the channels hashtag level underscore design and hashtag quake ed or Quakied? I don't know. Or quaked? I don't know. <laughs> On EFNet IRC. And realized that at a certain point that I could accomplish more by helping other more talented creators succeed than by trying to solely create on my own. With this in mind, I got a bunch of creative folks, mostly from those IRC channels, to agree to work together in some nebulous form, called the group Terraforma, and started getting our name out there. That was February 1997. And I immediately started getting the word out on sites like the hugely popular Blues News. And he linked to this, which I actually didn't click on. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't click either. on I'm it. Glad. Click on it. Oh, I love the 90s. This is a really <laughs> old website. Okay, everyone, please go to bluesnews.com. <laughs> We're going to have to link to this in the show notes, actually. I'll, I'll link to it because it's like a specific old HTML Okay, page. wait. Yeah, that's true. Because if you go to bluesnews.com, there's a post from like December 2nd. AKA today. Yeah. So, but it, this one's like bluesnews.com slash archive slash Feb 97 dash two. Yeah. So, and if anybody wants to really go into that, and there's and like this, this huge is a, list from February 10th, 1997 that's like, I guess, just a list of different updates about Quake. And one of them is about the formation of Terraforma and how this person who that's really, us inter- that's really interesting. I don't know why we didn't click any of these links, but okay. Because we don't actually prepare for our show. Anyway, thanks so much for the email. <laughs> Uh, So continuing along, he writes, we fumbled along fairly aimlessly for a bit until late spring when a level designer named Wright Bagwell approached me about essentially marketing his work, a fairly unique level named The Vigil, which is also linked to us. We haven't played this. Sorry, guys. Under the Terraforma banner, I gladly took this on essentially viewing it as Terraformer's first actual release and drummed up enough interest that the map became fairly popular, mostly simply because it was a good map and a unique style of gameplay. Do you want to read the next couple graphs? Yeah, I'll go for it. And as in summer of 97, a hobbyist 3D modeler in South Australia named John 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 Gordon. Yeah. John Gordon <laughs> had caught the community's interest by creating a number of X-Men models for use by players in death matches. However, in the late 90s, the entire creative industry was scared to death of intellectual property theft and shortly thereafter John received a cease and desist from Marvel. Mm. Now, I wasn't closely involved in this part of the process, but my understanding is that rather than simply ceasing and desisting, John (laughs) proposed to Marvel that they profit from his hard work and invest in a Quake total conversion, in parentheses TC, essentially a new game built on the Quake engine, but using entirely new creative assets. ID Software had already embraced this product model with the Shark or Shrek, with the Shrek TC hitting stores in July 1997. <laughs> so the question of whether they allowed it was settled. Marvel agreed, brought on WizardWorks as the publisher, and worked with John to establish the storyline for the game. Okay, so this is interesting to me because, you know, this reminds me a lot of how Portal came to be, <laughs> you know? 
or and like Half Life. I mean, Half Life had a lot of a big mod community in general. So right, right, and that's. I mean, it's really interesting. Like you know, to revisit that and see that this is still something that happens in this day and age. And now I realize that Portal at this point is almost like 15 years old. If you can even believe that, <laughs> but know. that is actually true. We're uh, old. But there are yeah. so many people who have talked about getting jobs at game development studios just because they started out by modding either that game that they ended up working on or yeah. a similar game. I mean... Well, I mean, yeah, and I think, think about it. Like, those people that were doing the... on Or at least on the Wii U that... The Smash, oh my god, what the hell is it called? The Super Smash Brothers people that like edit edit the whole game so it was actually playable, uh, <laughs> and then kept on adding, and then and then the people realized I remember that you could the name of it, Project M. Thank you, and like you know how they kept on, they, and then av- many people started modding Super Smash Brothers and also releasing things online so you could play as all these different characters and create all these levels. I mean, it's and, always and, like crazy to me when people spend that much time on a hobby. I mean, I say that like we aren't recording a podcast about the X-Men right. for really no reason other than our own health and also our lovely Patreon supporters. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's the same idea where it's like, well, we're just going to spend a whole lot of hours on something that we just think is fun and I don't know, maybe some people will like it or maybe they won't. And sometimes people actually end up getting a job out of that and that's cool and weird yeah. and just how the internet is sometimes. Well, the Project M people, I think they went on to make that game Brawlout, which was like all their original characters. Yeah. But I would not be surprised that that programmers in general who are modding these games go to like Nintendo or whoever or whatever well, game Nintendo's publisher. It's sort like of I, a black box, but at least with some of they these really other are. But like, but like, but the idea of like them going in, like being like, okay, I modded this game and it's a totally new game, and like people see that online because people like well release like mods of games that you can get on like steam yeah and then like the publisher will be like wow that's really fucking interesting do you want to publish a whole game based on this and that happens so much more frequently than it does now then so like the concept of this being like one of the the original games yeah this is like one of the first games that was like doing that so okay cool so i guess it's my turn um so he writes I don't recall the specifics of how the quote, you're a cyborg killing X clones end quote gameplay came about, but I have a vague recollection that Marvel was uncomfortable with the thought of players killing X-Men and John wanted to make sure that all the models he'd worked on were in the game. So it wasn't just the player choosing one X-Men character to play and never seeing the others. The X clones idea supposedly addressed both concerns, but as you point out, it feels odd from a fan perspective. John and wizard works, (laughs) John and wizard works set out about recruiting a team to make the game happen under john's newly founded company zero gravity entertainment they hired ryan feltron another australian as the lead programmer seth jaslow an american to do additional programming and started looking for a team to take on the level design work that's when they approached me you want to pick it up yep so here i was a teenage quake level design enthusiast with a website and a handful of online connections to other creative people being offered the chance to work on a game that would be published and on store shelves and tied to a hugely popular IP. Of course I jumped at the chance, yeah, I mean, who as did the level designers <laughs> who were nominally part of Terraforma. We spent the better part of the next two months working and building our levels. I recall being given a ridiculously huge amount of creative freedom in the design process, so we were given a vague plot summary and assigned a general theme, such as the ancient Egypt meets futuristic textile for Apocalypse's cloning facility, or the various one-off locations used in the game's second half, and told to be and told to build whatever we wanted within that. I recall being told to build something in a mountain fortress, a sort of vein. At this point, I had built very few complete levels, and I don't recall ever releasing one of my own prior to this. 
Working with Wizardworks was interesting in that they had actual playtesters who strove to ensure every level was playable and bug-free. At my level, after fighting through a few X-clones, the player would hit a button which would drop some bars and allow access to a ledge. I remember the playtesters discovering that the bars didn't fully reach the le- edge of the ledge, so they would so they could carefully skirt around the so they could carefully skirt the bars entirely and skip the first fight. However, they weren't concerned about <laughs> <laughs> however with <laughs> however they weren't concerned with things like enjoyability, originality, difficulty level, uh, length, etc. And as a result, the levels varied wildly in these regards. My level in particular is by far the weakest and likely the shortest of the bunch. In some ways, I look forward to your playthrough. Mostly, I just apologize in advance. <laughs> we so haven't gotten to it yet, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I, I thought maybe we did because there was like well, that level with the bars that we kept on getting confused in. Yeah, I wonder that's if not that it, is. I don't think. I don't think so either. It's possible that it is and that we just haven't uploaded that episode yet because I know you're like editing the Let's Plays still. No, everything's up to date now. So okay, cool. But like that was like the one like where I kept on Well, he's describing a mountain fortress and I think the level that we were in that had bars in it as well was just like it was like There are a lot of like Apocalypse's tomb kind of levels. So I I think we'll know when we get to a mountain. Well, we'll see, I I guess. It is funny, though, that he describes the playtesting team as not being concerned with enjoyability, originality, (laughs) difficulty level. Isn't that part of, like, that job? I mean, it is, but... I also get why the playtesting team would focus on bugs and making sure the game worked. And, you know, I'll say this much for Ravages of the Apocalypse. We haven't run into any game-breaking bugs. Like, we haven't... Like, sometimes we get lost and we can't okay, figure out where the fuck we're going. we have run into bugs going, because we're fucking cheating in the game. Yeah, so, like, we put in a cheat code about. and then I jump into a lava pit. It's like, look, Maddie. <laughs> and I was like, great, now Ryan. you have to... Stu- that <laughs> yeah, that's you jumping bug. into a lava pit and not dying because you're invincible, but now you can't like, get oh, out. I can't get out of the lava pit that yeah. I wasn't supposed to be able to jump into but we're using an invincibility <laughs> code so now i'm stuck in there that's or like, well, remember that remember that time i like we couldn't die but i fell into that thing so it just kept on bouncing me down the hall and i was like i couldn't land and yeah. you're like ryan i think you need to hit the low button i was like i didn't save <laughs> story of my life my point is the game actually works very well like we haven't (laughs) like the times when we've messed up and lost saves have been because like i accidentally didn't save or you didn't save or like things like that we've fucked up there's been human error involved but the game actually works pretty well it's just not it's not fun because the levels are all really confusing and like long and strange but i don't know it's really really awesome to hear from somebody who helped design them and given that they were designed by people who didn't have a lot of experience. It's kind of incredible that it happened at all. Anyway, I'll continue reading. So... Go for it. I had a great time working on the project, though, with visions of an amazing career in video games dancing in my head the whole while. By the end of the summer, our levels were polished and delivered. In December 1997, X-Men The Ravages of the Apocalypse hit stores and received... Well, it received reviews. <laughs> I don't recall any that were particularly scathing, but I also don't remember people being wowed by it. I think it did fine commercially because the Quake community was huge and loved new content, especially professional new content. Blue called it one of the finest TCs created for Quake, which was overly nice of him. At the conclusion of the project, I received a check in the mail for around 150 Australian dollars, which I think converted to around 70 US dollars back then. 
my per hour pay was likely less than a dollar an hour. <laughs> so oh my low. god! I was gonna say like, well, what what was that as a rate back then though? After inflation and I all that, because that, that was like that in the nineties. So been good though, dude. Like that's so low. I mean, Marvel, oh my god! I guess well, this was also the nineties, so it was like after the comic book crash actually okay so but, but it's really not even like he's getting paid hourly it was that he was he basically was getting paid a flat rate which like was like like when i do photography yes. i know when i do photography but that is not that is i mean not like as much time like imagine spending hours designing a level in a game and then you got 150 bucks in the mail or 70 I mean, imagine, imagine that guy who or it could have been a girl i don't know the person who designed the level that went on for like eight days it yes, was so confusing yes, they got like so 150 dollars 50 bucks wow you, you really could have phoned it in anyway continuing on i didn't particularly care though it was the coolest summer job i could have imagined and i'm glad i spent my time on it rather than mowing lawns i also got a couple of copies of the game which are still sitting on a shelf in my basement and included an exclusive x-men comic setting up the storyline that's happy, actually really cool i'd be happy to send one of them your way since i think you'd appreciate it more than i do see now, this, this is, is sec- why we need a po <laughs> this is the second time it's come up this month and i kind of feel like we may be going down that track soon Listen, i don't know i just like to encourage people to donate to our patreon because the p.o box is expensive that's the only, yeah <laughs> if you want to send us stuff in the p.o box like we looked it up but it was like an absurd amount of money every month so yeah but uh, you know we would really like to do it anyway awesome i'll switch it back over to you there okay I never once played the game all the way through. <laughs> For the life of me, I can't remember why not. I think I started, and your video of the I first mean, level in I particular is quite not. familiar. <laughs> Shh, Maddie, I'm reading. Okay. But watching other playthroughs, there's a lot there I just never saw. After Ravages was released, Terraforma went on to release some other work over the next couple of years. Most notably, John Gordon and I worked as part of a team that called itself Lethargy software to create the oblivion mission pack for quake 2 which was shipped over which was shipped on the cover cd for the christmas 199 issue of pc gamer uk and received some decent reviews and i'm clicking this link because i i've not seen that but this actually seems familiar i think i might have se- i think i remember seeing this way back in the day yeah this looks cool um, yeah i may as well just finish up oh my god uh, a number of the terraforma team who worked on ravages went on to work in the game is in in the game's industry to greater or lesser degrees. Wright Bagwell, for instance, ended up a creative director on Farmville for Zynga for a while and now runs Outpost Games. Actually, that is pretty run relevant because Farmville, I think that is still pretty popular. I mean, is it? I don't know what's going on with that game. But I, it well, I, I know that Katie would totally be into that. Uh, <laughs> Mackie, <laughs> Mackie McCandlish, is that how we pronounce that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know what? Just take over because I like can't read right okay. now. Okay. Mackie McC- Okay, now I have to fucking do this. Mackie McCandlish <laughs> and Brent McLeod are still working. I worked tangential to the games industry for a while, getting far more into the web development side of things and doing work in that vein for an epic mega games contract, as well as spending a few years doing web development on the America's Army project. Oh, I remember that. Now uh, I'm a software engineer for Mixmax, a San Francisco startup building workflow automation tools. This was a fun trip down memory lane. Part of me wants to see how many of the Ravages crew I can track down. I'm sure there are other stories to tell. John in particular probably has better answers to your questions than I do. Let me know if I can tell you anything else. Looking forward to your videos. This is awesome. I would love if we could talk to everybody, especially once we've beaten the game, because yeah. we are still planning to do that for some reason. We're doing I, that. You, well, because I, I'm committed. The only game I would, re- I would even have completed the other PC games just... 
but I, I couldn't deal with how horrible those noises were. Well, like I just also, was like, some of them actually were too glitchy to play. Like we, yeah, like like the X Men game for the NES, but we managed to get to the Wolverine game because did. it was like we did a viable game. That one so. was a similar situation where the game was hard at points, but it was beatable. This game is definitely beatable, and it had a play test team, and that was all it information did. that we didn't even know. And like it was really freaking cool to learn this, and it's also just explains a lot that this game was essentially the summer job of a bunch of fans and right it was that it, really softens me on the game and like i like it more now because it's like knowing that it was just created nice. by people who wanted to create it together yeah. i know okay so and i'm also glad that he stayed within like i mean he's a software engineer now but that means he's been still doing what he was doing back then and so like it's it's viable to look at be like a hobby you have and be like oh i could do this as a career one day you know what i mean yeah it, it's and that that this is a career for us, but you know, obviously the mutant ninja has taken off, and I'm very thankful for our fan base and our supporters. Um, but Maddie and I have also learned a lot in terms of uh, recording podcasts because Maddie, we've done a couple. Like you and I did Insomniac in the morning, and, and then you were on Let's Watch two used movies. To be worse. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. And they they and Maddie and I have been creating like content for like 20 years. Like we've done so- all sorts of videos and uh, like you know podcasting things. And Maddie, you worked on a, a few different podcasts, I and did. I remember where where you first started in that. But like. You know, now you're getting paid to do two or three of them, but that's not where you started. It's like you can like, it's just it just goes to show if there's something you're passionate about, like just go for it. Try to do it for fun, and also like there is something kind of weird about doing something for fun and then having it start to make money and sort of deciding like, do you want this to be a job? Is it still fun? Like there is always that tension there, but I don't know. I I still think it's really cool that that's something that people were able to do back then and they still do it now. Like you start doing something just for fun on the internet and people like it and you learn new skills. Like just the, the accessibility of these tools to make shit is something about the internet that I think is actually really great is that yeah. ever since it was created, the internet has made it possible for people to share with each other how to create art and like, which is really cool free and share it for free if you want to and get money for it as well later. So like, <laughs> that's incredibly cool. It's like uplifting and awesome. And it, it has softened me on this game that is very difficult and hard and dumb, but also kind it of is really difficult time. hard and dumb i know i know so, so yeah thanks so much. i mean i'm thankful that you wrote into us and we'll we'll send him a an email just to say yeah we want to see that comic book i would love to oh own a God, copy yeah. of that game but it's like how can you even get a copy of it now you know like i just want it as like a at the like very a piece. least he should take pictures of every page and email it to us because we don't have oh a my PO god box. i know and we would totally <laughs> like do that on the show too like on the youtube channel yeah, and we so we could like share it with everybody i know that would be really fun actually so that actually would be really fun so um, yeah i mean like it's just interesting to see how they they came about doing this and i would love to talk to other uh people you know and i would also love to get more interviews going on our show maybe with other people that have been involved with the x-men franchise in some degree and we're working on that everyone you know yeah why not <laughs> this I, show is whatever we want it to be now apparently it's a show where we read about the it's just a, of a quick it's, conversion what X-Men do you mean game. it's it's exactly what it is that <laughs> what it's always been which is about the x-men and you and i nerding out over that because that's like what we do mm-hmm. and the format <laughs> is whatever we say it is week to week and this is what and the also format all was the x-men are gay week. and fucking yeah, that's I it don't, i don't really think we can do all of our normal sections on this episode no. i think we just have to oh, wrap it up here. The ca- <laughs> you know the character spotlight is gonna be like 
Well, we can't do it yet, but when we read this comic book, we're going to finally maybe learn the story of the cyborg who's the star of the game, and then maybe we can do a spotlight on them, whoever they are. By the way, we didn't even ask if we'd say if we'd use his last name, so I'm not going to say it. But his name is also Ryan, and I just want to say, thanks, Ryan. From Ryan, Ryan. thank you, Ryan. Um, This is why I always end up taking like nicknames that aren't Ryan mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's too many of us. Like Poochie, anyway, or. I don't know. Ferex? Snowman? <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god. Ferex? I my god. That's funny. Okay. okay. Anyway. That's my vampire name. Should we do name. a little plug section? Um, yeah. No, we don't have any butt plugs. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to this because I know this is not our usual episode. And occasionally we're going to throw some of these in here for yeah, you. Yeah, why not? Like, but we'll be back on the next episode reviewing the next X-Men, the animated series, which we can watch on Disney+. Plus. We can. Thank with you. subtitles. All of it Except is there. all of the episodes are in the wrong order, which anyone who's been listening to this show already knows that we are constantly dealing with that problem with the show. Like, I don't even know. So watch right. the episodes in whatever order you want. It's what we've been doing. They were not aired in the right order they were not even written in the right order and they don't even make they sense really when weren't. they are quote unquote in order so you may as well just watch them in whatever order disney plus has decided but anyway you can follow us on twitter which is actually how this guy found us so hey come check out our tweets at the mutant ages we're individually <laughs> on twitter i'm at Mitty myers and i'm at ryan pagella and if it says mr sinister you've come to the right place damn straight and you can also email us at the mutant ages at gmail.com whether you worked on an x-men property or not we actually love or if hearing from right you to. yeah if we you do. just want to write to us about golden girls or whatever we'll still read it on the show we still probably. will and also since we're talking about ratchets of the apocalypse you can watch us playing through it on our youtube channel you which can. is the mutant ages and you know you can find us on social media pretty much anywhere it's mm-hmm. obviously the mutant ages on twitter or tumblr or pinterest or instagram, instagram facebook, facebook. It's all the same shit. It just is like how you want to consume your social media. So like, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and most importantly, please support us on Patreon. Please, please do. Please. We would love a P.O. box and also to pay for other things. Like, obviously, we pay for hosting fees. We pay for video games when they're not free and all kinds of things so that we can yep. play them on the YouTube channel for you. So we it's much appreciated that people are supporting yeah, us exactly. on there. Exactly. Uh, thank you for listening to this random ass episode and I hope you enjoy it and thank you Ryan for writing in because it did answer a lot of questions for us Uh, many 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 questions it did it was great awesome we'll see you next time see you next time the beauty